0: From Here to Obscurity, The Quiet Man of England, Part 2, Kingston Bag Puise, Part 2. The snow, which had fallen heavily overnight, was pockmarked by the trefoil fouling of a nocturnal horde of verminous and herbivorous beasts that had made the churchyard their home, and thus it lay like despoiled ermine across the greensward. St. Matthias looked and ghastly in its winter coating, frosted, harsh, and as austere as only grey stone rubbed against grey clouds in search of recognition from the supreme being could. The racing was good, though, and Kingston Bagpuis poured his concentration into the form at Cheltenham and licked the stub of his pencil. The snow had halted work for the day, and that selfsame snow which mattressed the croci had also smothered the various graves he had dug. The terminal decline of the Nepenthes sisters, having reached its nadir, had enforced a double shift the day before and Kingston Bagpews had casually cursed their selfishness with every jarring cut his spade had made in the iron earth. Now the vast hole for their terminal recline lay covered and unseen. A confluence of snow and the tarpaulin idly blown over the hole had rendered the cavity quite invisible. His brown study was interrupted. Kingston sat up on his stool and cocked an ear. From within the church came the sound of conversation and the unmistakable clatter of equipment, plasticized and professional. As befits a man of a certain age and girth, Kingston Magpus leapt like an oxygen starved salmon from his stool and cautiously beetled back into the church. He essayed through the vestry door and peeped down the nave. He was taken aback to spy a camera crew, establishing themselves hard by the great north wall, all booms and gaffers. Standing pensively by the lectern stood a man in a sheepskin coat. "'Oh, hello, hello!' beamed the little man gaily, and tripped noiselessly towards the sexton munching an apple as george Eliot was all too keen to point out an alderman about to be mayor must by and large enlarge his dinner parties but at present there were plenty of guests at his well-spread table a kingston bagpuis was not running for mayor his good friend the ineffable melton constable had that as good as sewn up were there even such a role but the point held With his stool and his papers, his room above the hearth of the moon under water, and with it being national hunt season, he had all the guests at his table he could want. Men beaming at him within the walls of his custodial domain were unwanted, unwelcome, and unnecessary. A small man had breasted the nave and was now leaning conspiratorially against the altar. You see, my man, we're here to do a wee spot of filming hereabouts. The BBC, he added, as though Kingston Bagpipes would take that as a fait accompli. Oh, we na no need, sir," replied the taciturn giant. "Na no need come coming here and stealing about like thieves in the night. What you want with filming in Saint Matthias anyway?" what's a small feature <laughs> the small man tittered nervously a magazine show sport of lay relief majesty the english church thomas gray hugh scully frank both i think benjamin meets cobertania cool he glibly patted your precious little need for poetry and pullovers here sir we make do with the hymnal and the sure and certain hope of salvation Ye're born here, ye's baptized, is buried here, and no amount of television can stand in the way of the Lord. Kingston Bagpews pulled himself up to his full height, as though to emphasize the point, and wordlessly pointed towards the north door. Begone back to Babylon," he said solemnly and irreproachably. The small man shrugged his shoulders. Come on, Charlie, let's do one. I'll have to wipe something out. It's not like there's a shortage of pastoral churchyards around here we can get a few shorts of. This last was accompanied by the dropping of the remains of the apple. He turned on his heel and walked off down the nave. Now. The nave of St. Matthias is some twenty-two yards long, as if laid out with immaculate precision by the celestial groundsman himself, in the certainty of all things. As the television producer reached the end of the church, he turned laconically and was met by the full force of five and a half ounces of Cox's Orange Pippin upside the head. He recoiled, stung. He yelped, as only a cowardly pale man in his late forties can. Apple-flesh clung to the sheepskin of his coat, and a small welt could be seen emerging on his cheek, a ruddy blush emphasising his defeat. King Stumbugpuss stood at a few steps away, the momentum from his short run-up having taken him into the church proper. He scowled as he bent down to pick up the remains of the fruit, and, having wiped away the warm wet circle from the floor, turned smartly on his heel, and walked back to his mark. I may have lost a plot, he thought to himself, but I still got my righteous heart. And he smiled, the same shy smile laced with menace he had had when Sunshine Jackson had first looked back at his shattered stump some thirty years earlier. The Quiet Men of England is a very broad and very shallow production, written by Brian Painting, performed by Charlie Moriarty, with original music recorded and played by Peter Vincent written.